This morning's reading is taken from Hebrews, and it'll be chapter 4, verse 1, to chapter 2, verse 10. If you'd like to follow in your church Bibles, you can find it on page 1201. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father, and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honour, and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honour, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Nick. Friends, uh, allow me to introduce the top-selling book on angels on Amazon. It is actually the 7,550th best-selling book, and bearing in mind how many hundreds of thousands of books there are, that's not bad. 
uh, Connecting with the Angels Made Easy by Kyle Gray. Uh, the back cover reads thus, Kyle Gray is one of the UK's most sought-after angel experts. He discovered his spiritual gift at the tender age of four and now dedicates his life to helping others tune in to their own intuitive talents. In this book, Kyle teaches readers how to connect with the angels and bring their divine loving presence into all areas of life for powerful transformation. You will learn how to connect to your own guardian angel, how to see, hear, and feel the presence of the angels, ways to communicate with the angels and powerful methods to seek their help, how to receive messages from the angels and truly trust their guidance, the different types of angels and their role in each area of your life. Well, what a load of old cobblers that really is. My goodness. The, the world, then, is really confused about angels. And if you don't believe me, ask a few people this week about guardian angels. My gosh, you'll hear some crazy stuff. Uh, this morning, we're going to be digging into Hebrews 1, 4 to 2, 10. Slightly odd places to cut, but it, it sort of makes sense. Uh, page 1201, if you've got a Bible in front of you which has a little bit to say about angels, but mainly what it's saying is about Jesus. So if you're about to tune out, if you're already on the Amazon app ordering Carl Gray's book, whatever you're doing, um, this is the point this morning. We are going to engage with the real Jesus. There's loads of things here. That might be a lot of different things for you. We are engaging with the real Jesus this morning. So we're going to start with just a few thoughts about angels, because they're here, uh, but then we're going to move on to thinking about Jesus. Well, angels, there are a lot of angels in the Bible, but actually we're not given that much information about them. Let's see what our passage says. So if you look down with me, verse 6 of chapter 1, uh, and again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let, he says let all God's angels worship him. And if you look that up in Deuteronomy 32 verse 43. It doesn't quite read the same because it's coming from the Greek Old Testament version uh, that was used. God's angels then worship Jesus. So if you find yourself reading something about angels that doesn't put Jesus at the centre, the writer's got it wrong. Simple point. Uh, then chapter 1 verse 7 in speaking of the angels, he says he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. That's from Psalm 104, verse 4. So angels are spirits. They're compared to flames of fire. Uh, chapter 1, verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to those who will inherit salvation? Angels minister to God's people. So to those who are following Jesus. Elsewhere in the Bible, we see angels as God's messengers or God's warriors. There's nothing in the Bible to support the idea of guardian angels or uh, the idea that angels will minister to people who have nothing to do with Jesus. Uh, but I wouldn't want to be too prescriptive here because there are certainly all sorts of people who encounter angels you see that we've just had all the Christmas stories, haven't we? Angels all over the place in there, not to people who really knew that they were following God. So um, 
interesting. Although our passage mentions angels a fair bit, that is really all it says about them. So I don't propose to say more about them. But our passage really focuses on Jesus. So that's where we're going this morning. Let's start with chapter 1, verse 4. To which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father? That's Psalm 2, verse 7. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. That's 2 Samuel 7, verse 14. The very earliest writings about Jesus, written within the lifetime of people who knew him, so they could have said, no, that's wrong, say he was God's son. Christians believe in God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So at the heart of God is relationship, that relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is why humans are made in God's image, to be in relationship with God and with each other. We reflect the nature of God, the image of God, by doing that. Jesus is God's Son. That's our first little simple point about Jesus. Then chapter 1 verse 6, we've already heard that. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. So the celestial beings who live with God worship Jesus. Jesus is worthy of praise and worship. Jesus is worshipped by angels. Then chapter 1 verse 8, but about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. And that's from Psalm 45, verses 6 and 7. Those little verses have at least five things about Jesus that I could find. Jesus has an eternal throne. Now, people say all sorts of things about Jesus. Muslims hold him to be a prophet. Jehovah's Witnesses would say he's God's son. But if Jesus has an eternal throne, that means he is God himself. It is only Christians who say this about him. Jesus isn't just a prophet, but he did speak God's words to the world and the world didn't particularly want to hear them he isn't just a wise teacher but his teaching is the most memorable in human history he isn't just a good man but he lived and died without doing anything wrong jesus is the eternal god and then also in this little bit in uh, verses eight and nine Jesus loves righteousness and hates wickedness. Now, righteousness is not a word you're going to hear again this week, I would have thought, outside the confines of the church or un unless you're reading your Bible. Uh, the Bible uses it to describe a right relationship with God. And that sort of relationship only comes through faith in Jesus. So when it says Jesus loves righteousness... He loves people to be right with God through faith in him. We have less trouble with wickedness, don't we? You might hear that out and about this week. Uh, biggest news story of the week, probably, a police officer pleading guilty to raping dozens of women. That is wickedness right there. 
abusing your position of trust in the worst possible way. I heard uh, a politician being interviewed later in the week and he was asked, if your daughter was going out, would you tell her that if she gets in trouble, she should ask a policeman? How awful that we have to ask that question. And given that the vast majority of our police are wonderful, wonderful people, but that's wickedness. Jesus hates wickedness. He is on the side of the violated and the abused. Those acts will be exposed when he comes as our judge. Those who do terrible things face eternal punishment if they do not turn to him in repentance and faith. So that's loving righteousness and hating wickedness. There's also in this little bit, Jesus is set apart from his companions and anointed by God. Now, I hope by now in this talk you're getting the idea that Jesus is pretty special. When someone is anointed in the Bible, oil is poured over their head and they are given a particular purpose. They are set apart. So Jesus here is set apart as ruler and judge. So all of that from those couple of verses. Then verse 10, he also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Psalm 102, verse 25. So Jesus is the creator of everything. Again, we see Jesus right in the middle of things. God from the very beginning of time. Then chapter 1, verse 13. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Uh, Psalm 110, verse 1. Jesus sits at God's right hand. He's alive. He is God right now. If, you're, if you talk to someone who's wondering where God is, where is Jesus? He is alive. He is God. He is in charge. Again, here is, this isn't just a prophet or a wise teacher. This is God himself. But Jesus lived as a human. And you see that in chapter 2, verse 9. We do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while. On the recent podcast, The Rest is History, which is well worth a listen if you're interested in history, uh, the historian Tom Holland was spent time, there were two episodes, thinking about the historicity, it's a lot try saying that with your teeth out, um, the, his, the historical perspective on the nativity story. You know, what can we take away? What would serious historians make of those stories in Luke and Matthew? And he takes a sceptical historical view. It's absolutely fascinating listening. I would really recommend it. One thing he is very clear about is that no serious historian doubts the existence of the man Jesus. No serious historian. This man was born, lived, and died within the first three decades AD. And after his death, his followers claimed he had come back to life. Now, again, whatever you believe, whatever you want to believe about whether Jesus rose from the dead or not, it is a given that something extraordinary must have happened to those people. That's just a given because 11 of Jesus' disciples went to their death because they wouldn't stop talking about how he'd come back to life. 
And the movement they founded has become the most influential in history, the Church of Jesus Christ. So there is no doubt that Jesus lived as a human, and of course Christians would say he was resurrected. Verse 9 goes on, Jesus is now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So two things there. Jesus is crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death and Jesus tasted death for everyone. You know, it's another of those questions people ask, isn't it? How can one man's death 2,000 years ago have any significance for us today? And if you're reading through this section and you think, you know, why, why is Mark kept talking about the references in the Old Testament? And so, well, the, the writer is going over all this Old Testament stuff because he's writing to people who would know it, the Hebrews, and we're just picking out going over, you know, this, don't you see how this points to Jesus and this points to Jesus? But how can that death have significance for us today? It is clear that the writer sees Jesus' death as a cosmic event, so something that is significant for absolutely everybody. Because Jesus is God's son and because he's the only sinless human, his death is a sacrifice made once for all humanity. Jesus is honoured precisely because he was prepared to die instead of you and me. His sacrifice makes you right with God. Because of Jesus' suffering, you can be confident that anything you're going through in the whole of your life can be redeemed by God. Jesus suffered and died. He was torn apart from his Father. He rose and is glorified at the right hand of God. So whatever you're facing in life, you can find redemption and a way forward with Jesus, the pioneer of our salvation, it says here. Verse 10, he brings many sons and daughters to glory. Jesus tasted death for everyone. Well, there's a point in every sermon where you say, well, so what, Mark? What, how's my life going to look next week if I've really been listening to you? Or I hope you're asking that. Uh, and the so what is there in chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. And the writer just unpacks that over the next few verses. So you will, left to your own devices, friends, I'm sorry we are all the same, we are going to just drift away from Jesus. Uh, we see that in our own lives, if we're honest. We see it in the lives of people around us. But you can make your faith more secure by paying careful attention to the truth about Jesus. Well, how do I do that? Well, you're, it, this is a good start, isn't it? You're sitting, listening to a talk, which then you've got a chance to respond to. Uh, you can spend time reading the Bible and praying in what you see there this week. You can sit alongside other Christians in a small group or in a, a prayer partnership or a triplet with other people. Today, in a minute, we're going to have an opportunity to just reflect on whichever we've thought about lots of features of Jesus, lots of things about Jesus in this passage. Think about which of those, if there's one that's just quite challenging for you or you don't quite get or is a problem, have a think about that. We're going to have some quiet, reflective time 
where you can look through that passage again. Perhaps you will think about Jesus, the eternal Son of God, or maybe you'll think about the one who loves righteousness and hates wickedness, or the anointed one set apart from his companions, or maybe you'll think about the creator, the one who sits eternally at God's right hand, the perfect human, the one who was glorified in his death. And as you reflect, can I encourage you, we're going to have some time for prayer ministry, just to receive a simple prayer as well. We're going to have people up at the back of the church who do this the same way each time. Uh, There'll be some soft music playing. You don't need to be put on the spot. Uh, Come up and one person from the team will just pray over you that you might know Jesus better. We've just got a simple prayer. We would love to pray over you. And if you're uh, a group leader or if you're trained in prayer ministry, I'd love you to join me at the back in a minute. Take time this week to just enlarge your view of Jesus. Don't make the same mistake as our angel expert, Kyle Gray, who misses the point of our angels completely over probably about 100,000 words because he leaves Jesus out of the picture. Take the time to put Jesus front and center in your life. So I'm going to get my team up at the back and just take the time to reflect now. And I'm hoping we'll have a bit of soft, quiet music and we're going to pray.